0: you are listening to grounded presents a podcast featuring the women of grounded where spiritual encouragement motivational messaging business tips and intimate discussions happens all in one place here's your host dr alita v ashford
1: okay women of grounded we are here today with dr carolina sueldo of double board certified OBGYN and fertility specialist joining us today from the west coast dr sueldo how are you Thank you so much for
0: having me. I'm so excited to be here this morning.
1: Can you start out by telling us a little about uh, your your passion and how you got started in this field?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's actually really funny. Both my parents are physicians. Um, my mom is a psychiatrist. My dad is a fertility specialist. And when I was in medical school, um, my mom was like, you know, do what you love, follow your passion. And my dad was like, well, do, do whatever you want, but if you like fertility, you know that would be even better. And so the whole time in that I'm not gonna do women's health, I'm not gonna do fertility, I'm gonna carve my own path and be my own person. And I really, really fell in love with OBGYN, so with women's health as a specialty because of the knowledge that came with that. So I became sort of the uh, you know resident physician for all my girlfriends. So whenever there was questions about birth control or infections or you know any of that stuff everybody would come to me and what I realized is that there was a big lack of awareness. And so it really came from a place of wanting to educate, wanting to um, you know inform women about about their bodies, about in you know um, different birth control methods and ways that they can sort of take control of the situation. And then once I got into OBGYN I was exposed to the fertility lab. So all the stuff that they do in the IVF lab with eggs and sperm and embryos. And and the science part of me just totally just, you know, was blown away by it. I absolutely fell in love with it for the science and decided to pursue my subspecialty within women's health, which is infertility. And, um, you know, I always tell people I fell in love with it for the science, but I stayed with it and it became a passion and a calling because of the patients. Because really the bond that the fertility specialist forms with the there's so many visits. It's such an emotional journey. Um, you know, I've been in practice now almost a decade. I still have patients from my first years. They'll send me updates of pictures of their kids or whatnot. Um, so it really, it, you know, it's really something I truly love. I call it a vocation more than a job.
1: It, it truly is an emotional journey. And as someone who uh, experienced infertility for seven years myself, it is a pain you never forget. One of the things I can say as a younger woman uh, starting that journey of infertility is that I wasn't quite sure like uh, what caused it or why it was happening. Can you kind of discuss a little some of the causes for infertility in women? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So I think that is a great first place to start because the truth is that many women, well, most of us, I would say we grow up, we want to do the responsible thing, we want to be safe, we, you know, it's, we're trying to avoid pregnancy until we're ready. And we've never really had to think about, well, what happens if I can't or if I have difficulty or, you know, we don't really think about the other side, we're not really brought up to think that way. And it's also something that's not talked about enough. Up until recently, there was a lot of shame, isolation, guilt, blame surrounding infertility. You know, the thought of um, there's something wrong with me, or I'm not a woman, or I can't come, you know, whatever the thought process may be that are obviously totally erroneous. Because what we now know is that infertility is a medical disease just like diabetes just like high blood pressure it is a medical disease it's not something that you caused or that's your fault or you didn't relax enough or whatever you know situation may be um and so really when we talk about infertility we want to define it and we define infertility for women who are under the age of 35 if they've been having unprotected intercourse for over a year but for women who are over 35, we actually cut that time frame down to six months because of the concept of reproductive aging, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Mm-hmm. So generally, we do use those markers of time: so a year if you're under 35, or six months if you're over 35. But I always like to highlight there are other reasons why you may see a fertility specialist, or you may want to see a fertility specialist sooner. So, for example, if you're skipping periods, you go three, four months without a period, you're not having a regular cycle every month. That is definitely not normal. So even though it's great to not have a period, it's not normal. Every woman who's healthy of reproductive age should be getting a monthly menstrual cycle. And if you're not, then we need to explore why. Another thing would be extremely painful periods. So, you know, we all either ourselves or we know someone who maybe, you know, had a Get school a couple days each month, or you know, doubled over in pain, taking medication, you know, around the clock for those three or four days, um, or calling out of work, can't be intimate with your partner. Those are absolutely not normal. It should not be that painful, um, and that absolutely merits exploration. And then there's other risk factors. Let's say, you know, you had the unfortunate circumstance of having a sexually transmitted disease, or you had um, the even more unfortunate circumstance of having a diagnosis of cancer or chronic illness that may impact fertility. So you, there are definitely situations where you wanna see somebody much sooner, but generally speaking, if the patient and or the couple is healthy, we go by age along with time of unprotected intercourse.
1: Well, I'm so glad you mentioned um, the painful periods, because I know for myself over the years, I suffered from, like you said, chronic periods where I could not even go to work. Uh, It was Motrin, 800 milligrams, the whole nine. And I learned later that it was endometriosis and maybe some some fibroids mixed in there but the whole time my whole life i just thought that this was normal so i appreciate you shedding some light on the fact that it's not normal this is not normal not anything to that um degree by no sense of the imagination um another thing that i want to ask you about is besides ivf which i know is is one of the more common treatments are there some other things that women can do uh in terms of treatment
0: yeah, so I I like to talk about, well, the first thing I'll say is I'm, I'm grateful to Hollywood for shedding light on this issue. I think that they have very much normalized the conversation surrounding infertility, surrounding IVF, you know, the use of surrogacy, surgery, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but as with all things Hollywood, you have to take it with a great of salt. Um, And so you wanna make sure that you're definitely speaking with a professional because as you very well stated, there's tons of other treatment um, that is not simply just IVF. So there's a lot of other things that we do. Now, generally speaking, when I'm talking to my patients, I typically talk about treatment in three, three arms or three buckets. So the first one is the medical treatment or the fertility treatment we'll be doing in the clinic. And I'll talk about that in just a second the second one is over-the-counter supplements so there may be some supplements that are recommended depending on your individual case either for you or for your partner and then the third one is lifestyle which i think a lot of times is sort of glossed over we don't spend enough time talking about lifestyle but i want to say just how important optimizing your natural fertility is so from a nutrition standpoint exercise standpoint, sleep. Sleep is such a big pillar of health and so many of us have sleep disorders. Work exposures, chronic low stress, you know, things all those types of things you really wanna try and hone and optimize if you can. Uh, When I talk about chronic stress, I also talk about stress management. Knowing that infertility and the infertility journey is stressful, what are you doing? Are you doing acupuncture, meditation, yoga, counseling, working with a therapist, group support? something to help you in that that's going to be so important so lifestyle and supplements you know we're not going to talk too much about today um, but i did want to highlight that those are super super important to be talking about and making sure you're doing everything you can in addition to the fertility treatment so focusing in on the fertility treatment we really divided up into a few different spaces. So you know, IVF obviously is the most advanced technology we have. There are many different ways that IVF can be done. Um, We can add genetic testing of the embryos. Uh, We potentially have the use of egg donor, sperm donor, embryo donation, surrogacy. So there's a lot of different ways that IVF can look um, and those are gonna be tailored to each individual case. But outside of IVF, there's actually three other treatments that we talk about. One is reproductive surgery, so let's say you have fibroids, which you mentioned earlier, or polyps inside the uterus, or one of your tubes is damaged. Um, Those types of diagnoses may all warrant surgery before you jump into any fertility Mm -hmm. treatment, or sometimes surgery alone is enough to say, okay, you know, you're young, we've taken care of the issue, let's maybe give it three months or six months of you trying on your own. And then if you're not pregnant, then we'll jump into treatment. So reproductive surgery is definitely something that is still very much used and needs to be individualized to each patient's case. The next bucket that we talk about is uh, medication. So fertility medications are largely divided in two groups. So one is oral medications, the other one is injectable medications. And so your doctor, especially if you have irregular cycles, may not be talking about IVF or surgery, may be talking about these medications Mm -hmm. to try to ovulate and then having timed intercourse at home at the time of ovulation. And then the third bucket that we talk about that not many people know of, something called IUI also known as intrauterine insemination or artificial insemination mm-hmm. and this is where we deposit sperm inside the uterus at the time of ovulation and so that can be done either in a natural cycle or in combination with fertility medications so depending on each couple's case depending on each couple's diagnosis is the treatment that would be tailored but there is a lot of treatments outside of just IVF for sure
1: that's amazing. I mean, you definitely, to me um, in the, my son is 17 now, so this was quite some time ago when IVF was still fairly, you know, it was still fairly new in some places and and, and not affordable at that time.
0: Um, still not affordable. So
1: I'm, yeah, so if things have changed, it's great to see that there's other options thing, and things that are available now. Uh, but two questions that I do have, or one question, a combined question is, At what age should women um, consider freezing their eggs and how old is too old?
0: (laughs) Okay, so I just wanna start my answer by saying that there's no strict or set guideline by the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. So this is strictly my own personal opinion. Um, And and this is just coming from the place of being a reproductive age woman and sort of what I've seen in my clinical practice. And typically what I tell patients is that you know, in your sort of late teens, early 20s, no one's really thinking about pregnancy. Or or if they are, they're usually thinking about avoiding it. Right. Some are thinking about pregnancy and that's wonderful because those are typically our peak fertile years. But in today's society, most of us are not yet. So as we get to our sort of mid 20s to late 20s, you know, the question needs to be, do I want to have children, yes or no? And if I want to have children, what does that plan look like is that something that is you know not on the horizon is that something that's a year or two away um and so i think those of questions need to start being asked of course i'm going to sort of make a caveat if you're having underlying medical issues then absolutely you want to be having that conversation sooner but assuming that things are normal assuming you are unaware of any issues then typically in your mid to late 20s certainly by the time you hit age 30. And the reason I say that is because we know that egg quantity and egg quality begins to decline after the age of 35. And so typically women in their early 30s, um, if they're still not married, if they still don't have children, typically women in their early 30s will know whether they wanna be a mother. And they're typically far enough in their career to potentially afford egg freezing because it's not cheap to do it. So I I like to say, as long as you're doing it before 35, we know that you're going to have optimal egg quantity and quality. Um, Now, egg freezing, you know, I definitely am not somebody who says everyone should go and freeze their eggs. By no means am I saying that. But it's empowering women with the knowledge of what their options are. Egg freezing is a relatively new procedure. It was considered experimental up until 2012 because of the freezing techniques in the lab now that the freezing techniques have changed they're they're more advanced the eggs survive much better in the laboratory Mm -hmm. process so this is an option that was not available you know 15 20 years ago so egg freezing is not for everyone but i want women to know that it's out there it's an option and it's not It's not cheap, it's it's not affordable. And so typically, you know, if you're just out of college or you're just starting out, it's not really something that you know most people can do. But I but if you know that this is something that's coming, or let's say you're 25 and there's no prospects, then you can start to plan potentially save so that maybe by age 30 or 31 you're able to move forward with the process. So ideally egg freezing can be done under the age of 35 now that's not to say that women over the age of 35 cannot freeze eggs we absolutely freeze eggs for women over the age of 35 but the counseling looks a lot different because the success rates are a lot different so for those women we're always going to ask the question is pregnancy a possibility right now because if pregnancy is a possibility then we need to get you pregnant as a first line option only if pregnancy is not an option would egg freezing be considered over the age of 35 because we know that 37-year-old eggs are still going to be better than 40-year-old eggs, etc. So it's, it's, sort of, it's a good alternative or second-line option, um, but not as effective, not as successful in women who are over the age of 35. And we have fairly good data to show that. Um, and it's never too late to start. So let's say you're over 35 and you're hearing this. I don't want you to discouraged. I just want you to inform yourself, talk to a fertility specialist, and see what your options are, what the outcomes look like. As far as how old is too old, you know, that is that is a really, really tough question to answer because the options that we have available today do prolong women's reproductive lifespan a lot. So what we know is that fertility is predicated on the age of the egg. And we know that above age 40, the egg quantity and quality decline dramatically. So let's say, for example, that I froze my eggs at the age of 33, and I'm now 43, and I now met the love of my life, I got married, I wanna have a baby. There is a high chance that I may need to use those 33-year-old eggs. But guess what? My uterus doesn't change over time. So at 43, the likelihood of a pregnancy with those 33-year-old eggs is actually very high, it's very good. But if I didn't freeze my eggs, and I'm now trying to have a baby at 43, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Again, because the number of eggs has gone down dramatically, and the health or the quality of those eggs has also dropped significantly. Most clinics have a cutoff somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 51, 52, somewhere in there.
1: Wait a minute. Um, minute. In your practice, you've actually seen some pregnancies of women in their 50s? Yes. Now, yeah,
0: Yeah, so late 40s, early 50s tends to be the cutoff in most clinics. Generally speaking, those women are either using their own eggs that were frozen at an Mm -hmm. early age, or they're using an egg donor or donated egg. Um, And so, so typically, in my experience, you know, I always hear, well, but I had a cousin or a friend's neighbor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Story of somebody who had been at age 46 or 48 or 51 on their own, healthy baby, and that's amazing and that's beautiful, and I love that. But my job as a fertility specialist is to give you the statistics for the 99%. Right, And the percent yes. is that over age 40 and definitely above age 45, Pregnancy, I don't want to say is impossible, but goes down almost to zero.
1: Can you tell us how people can go to connect with you on social media if they want to learn more about this topic and where where you are um, and how they can contact you?
0: Absolutely. So I am on both Instagram and Facebook, Uh, easy to find Dr. Carolina Sweldo. Um, I'm much more active on Instagram, though I am in both places. And then I actually have a YouTube channel also in my name, Dr. Carolina Sweldo, where I drop weekly videos every Monday, short 10 minute episodes on different aspects related to fertility education. So people can go there. It's obviously it's free to access. Um, and they can
1: pick and choose the topics of interest to them. I wanna thank you for coming out here today and shedding some light on what I believe personally to be a very important topic, Uh, very near and dear to my heart. I know there's still a lot of women out there that are struggling with infertility. And so anytime that um, I personally can help to spread that message, I wanna do just that. So thank you very much for coming out here and sharing with us today.
0: Dr. A, I'm so grateful to you for using your platform to spread such an important message and talk about such an important topic. I think when people hear stats like, you know, one in four women has had a miscarriage, one in eight couples suffers from infertility. Um, You know, I mean, 10 to 13% of U.S. couples have infertility. So I think when they hear those numbers, they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea it was so common. I had no idea. I wasn't the only one. And so, you know, if your audience can have one takeaway from today's, today's um, it, uh, episode is really empowerment. I think knowledge is power. And the more you know, the, the better equipped you are to ask questions and to advocate for
1: yourself when you go see a physician. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And enjoy that sunny weather in California.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Dr. A. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us on the Grounded Facebook page, where hundreds of women are connecting and encouraging each other daily.